Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. What if a QB completed 80% of his passes? What if a point guard hit 80% behind the arc? Trey Young did that for about three weeks and then he went in a slump. Well, when you're hiring, you can play at that level because 80% of the employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Their powerful technology distributes your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards and identifies the right people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. And this is a nice time to buy tickets for stuff. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, baseball, whatever, anything. You know what to do. Just use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Today we launched a new podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. It is called The Recapables. Season one of Atlanta was broken down by Amanda Dobbins, Micah Peters, and Allison Herman from The Ringer. It's a very good pod. They gave out some awards for season one. More importantly, season two, Thursday night on FX. And if you love Atlanta, and you should, I thought it was the best show last year then uh, you're going to want to listen to this because right after the show ends on FX, we will post our first episode of season two of the Recapables. Um, and we're going to do that all the way through the Atlanta season. And then guess what? Billions after that. Me and Mallory Rubin, Sunday nights. These are little 18-minute podcasts. Basically, what happened? Why did it happen? What'd you think? A couple awards. And then we're out. A little post-game show for you. Uh, We're doing Atlanta, we're doing Billions, we're doing Westworld over the next four months. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out TheRinger.com. If you missed my column about LeBron and Michael Jordan on Friday, it is still on the website. We have a bunch of Oscar stuff coming this week. Pieces from Sean Fennessy and, and Cam Collins. A bunch of videos that we brought Wesley Morris, my old Grantland teammate, back to LA to shoot a bunch of videos with Sean and Chris Ryan and Amanda Dobbins and Cam Collins. Broke them down into a bunch of different categories. If you remember the Grantland Oscar show that I did uh, in 2014 and 2015 with Wesley and Chris Connolly, um, it's a little like that. It's not just like who's going to win Best Picture, who's going to win Best Actor, all that stuff. It's more, more fun subjects that kind of tie into the Oscars. We're running those all week. All you have to do is go to theringer.com or you can go to the Ringer's YouTube channel. And uh, and coming up in a little bit, we're going to have David Shoemaker on first to talk about Ronda Rousey, WWE, all this stuff going on there. And then Sean and Cam and Wesley and I tried to figure out um, the 2013 Oscars. What would happen if they waived the five-year waiting period Oh, no. What would happen if they had a five-year waiting period? Yeah, I can't even get my own gimmick right. What would happen if you had to wait five years to give out the Oscars? So we used the 2012 movie season as the litmus test for how that would play out. Wait five years, and then what would the Oscars look like? It's a fun one. It's a weird concept. We also wrote about it on TheRinger.com today. Uh, Strange concept. One thing we won't be talking about today, college basketball, although Tate Frazier is here. Tate. Mm Mm-hmm. 
is one shining pod just an FBI investigation every time now? We're going to talk all about the FBI, all the uh, all the many coaches that are somehow implicated, but they didn't know. Everyone didn't know. No one knew anything. Arizona's coach just mysteriously could not coach on Saturday because mm-hmm. there was an FBI thing that he's batting around a hundred thousand dollar figure for. He's going to get vindicated though. That's what we know. He's going to get vindicated. He's going to get vindicated. That's what he said. That's what he told us. Hundred thousand for DeAndre Ayton. It's a pretty good deal. That's a that guy's amazing. <laughs> it's a good deal. One year deal. That's great. 000. He should go for. He has got a million. I think by the end of this, first of all, the Pepperdine job's open. Mm-hmm. Titus comes out here on Wednesday. Titus is going to be here. Your partner on One Shiny Podcast is going to be here for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. I think while you're here, we should drive over and try to convince Pepperdine and just give you guys a job. Do they have co-coaches in college? Yeah, we can figure it out. Like a player coach, maybe, for Titus. Player co- Could he come back? Does <laughs> yes. he have any eligibility yet? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. College basketball is changing. He could be <laughs> a bad guy for himself? <laughs> yes. David is Shoemaker's here. Could... <laughs> Could Tate and Titus, do you think they could resurrect the Pepperdine Hoops program? I, absolutely. Um, I was talking to Tate last week, I think, that, we, that, that, that Tate, your, your forces combined, you two should be the new GM of the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, <laughs> with owner Steph Curry. There you go. Oh, this is great. Uh, listen to One Shining Podcast. Subscribe. It's heating up. College Hoops. You can win your March Madness pool. And then David Shoemaker is here, host of The Masked Man Show. Is it show or podcast? The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. <laughs> I never understood how we decided to do shows or podcasts in the title. Oh, it's so hard. Mine's the Bill Simmons podcast, but it easily could be the Bill Simmons show. Yes. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, hey, one last thing. I am hosting the Ringer NBA show on Monday, which is today. Uh, we had both of our hosts are flying back from Boston. So I'm the emergency host. So if you want to hear basketball, go over to the Ringer NBA show. Haral Bob Valgaris, who's been on this podcast many times, he's on. Also talking to Jason Concepcion, Justin Verrier, a whole bunch of people. So check that out. Ringer NBA show. Coming up. David Shoemaker, and then a little bit later, the 2013 Oscars. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, the breakout star of the Andre the Giant HBO documentary. America doesn't know yet. It's going to be watched by a ton of people, and people are going to be pointing at you in the streets, being like, that's the guy from the Andre documentary. Your whole life's going to change. I grew a beard since we recorded just for this. <laughs> just, to, just to be more anonymous? Yeah. It's all sunglasses and hats and beards from now on. So, last night, I want to talk WWE. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in WWE right now, and I'm not just saying that because we did a documentary with them. It's, it's probably one of the best kind of stretches the company's had the stock is at like 37 bucks Mm -hmm. yeah um it was at one point a couple years ago down to maybe 14 13 or 14 sure and now has rebounded they kind of figured out the wwe network it took a few years i remember in 2014 you and i wrote a whole piece yeah they launched it and we wrote a whole piece about like whoa this is cool what a great idea and yet they kind of botched it for the first couple of years. Now they figured that part out. Uh, they just signed Ronda Rousey, who, who we're going to get into it, but uh, is one of the biggest stars they've ever had. I'm not sure if she's going to be a good wrestler, mm. um, but just things are good. They have the TV rights coming up. One of the unexpected things. Let's talk about that first. They're in kind of the catbird seat here with TV rights. Yeah. And people thought the MMA was going to be the big prize. Yeah. And, you know, what's Fox going to do? How high will it go? Who else is coming in? 
and it turned out it was the WWE, and, they, and it really sounds like they might go to Fox. What have you been hearing? Um, well, I think Fox makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. I, but I, but I do want to be cautious in talking about this because I don't want to make the same mistake that WWE did the last time their TV rights were up, which is to overly equate them to a sport. Right. Yeah. I mean, they do have the fact that Monday Night Raw and to a somewhat lesser extent Tuesday Smackdown Live are are shows that the vast majority of or a huge majority of fans watch live. So yeah. that in that way, it's very much like sports. Obviously, it's a fake sport in a lot of ways. But oh, really? Don't tell my son. <laughs> my son might be listening to this. Um, yeah. No, but 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 I but I do think that that it doesn't have the same sort of drawing power. They were trying to get NBA money three, however many years ago it was when they re-upped with NBC Universal and they got nothing close to it, right? I mean, it's just not the same thing. Right. Um, I think that it makes a lot of sense for them to go with Fox. I, but you you can, you kind of see UFC and, and WWE circling each other in this weird way where like UFC is envious of the fact that WWE has a Facebook show and has like this over the top network that's really that's really flourishing yeah. because they can do original programming. WWE's, you know, interested in this sort of stability that UFC has. Um but I don't know that either of them is going to be better off if they just like, you know, switch seat, switch seats. So Fox is in the catbird seat right now because they're basically deciding who wins this. And yeah. it seems like they're gravitating toward WWE and if they do UFC's in trouble because I don't know if there's another suitor. You know, WME and uh, IMG bought them, I think it was three years ago. And I think one of the big reasons they bought them was they thought the OTT service modeled after the WWE network, more pay-per-views, blowing it out. And then this big TV rights deal, Hurricane of Money was coming. And the reality is... They might have. They might have been wrong, and I'm not sure that the money that they thought they were going to get is there. In general, like TV rights stuff has gone down for the most part, um, and I'm not sure who the other suitor is. But then you look at WWE on Fox, and it just kind of makes more sense. Like I like imagine watching Sunday football on Fox, and they're running ads for Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. the next day. What kind of overlap is that audience versus on the USA Network? It's all those shows with like lawyers in Miami and it's always really bright out and it's like a lawyer or detective and they're trying to catch somebody. That's not really the WWE's sweet spot. Yeah. So you, so UFC sold to WME not even two years ago. It was, it was June, June 16. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it's amazing how quickly the tide has turned in that span of time. I agree. I think that, you know, I'm a huge wrestling fan and write about wrestling, so obviously I'm biased. But I do think that... But we both like the MMA, too. Yeah, of yeah. course. But I, I do think that there's the WWE is a sort of is this sort of asset that you can really sort of... That you can force appreciation on. Sort of like if, if, you, if you advertise it during football games, you're right, it's going to blow up. I mean, it's going to do really, really well. What USA... The USA Network has always valued WWE really highly and with good reason because they can say that they are the most watched cable network solely because of WWE and they can, and they can boost ad rates across the board based on that fact. I still don't know what the overlap is with the shows. There's very little overlap. They've tried to overlap. I mean, they've, they've tried programming for the, the slot after raw to, to be very rest, you know, to be kind of appeal to wrestling fans in different ways. It's just really hard to do. And here's the thing. Here's how, you know, the WWE is a good TV property. I think they were the ones that created the extend past the time slot move. Yeah. Where it, where it goes from, originally it was like 8 to 10, but it was really like, 
or 9 to 11, but it was really like 11.03. Yeah. And now they build it in. Now it's like 8 to 11.07. And what happens is with the Nielsen ratings, you get, you know, you boost that next hour you have. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, you don't see that with everything. You certainly don't see it with UFC. And I, I think the biggest thing that's changed since WME bought MMA was there's so much instability with the best people. Yeah. WWE, it's like there is still instability and they have injuries and stuff. But the reality is John Cena, like he was in the main event last night in the Elimination Chamber. He's yeah. been there now for two full decades. Sure. You know, Roman Reigns has been there for five or six solid years. Five years? Six years? Yeah. Um, Seth Rollins is there. Braun Strowman, who they built up over the last two years. UFC builds up these guys and then they just get beat. Yeah. And that whole best versus the best thing, I'm not sure it's a good business strategy. No, I mean, it's really tough. It, it, it's impo- it was impossible to look at UFC to even two years ago and say whether or not they were that was a good time to sell or a bad time to sell because it is so dependent on the star power, I right? I think it was a great time for to sell. You, for, yeah. For, yeah, for the Fertitta brothers, it was, it, was, it was a perfect time to sell. It's just so hard to predict this. And, and Chuck Mendenhall, who writes about UFC for us at The Ringer, and I, we, 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 we laugh and we cry about this all the time because every time he's turning in a preview, a, you know, a UFC pay-per-view preview, one of the top fighters is like has has washed out. Like he just got yeah. he, he he got hurt and he can't fight, or he or she, you know. And and um, it just happened with that heavyweight, this that phenomenal puncher. Oh my god, he's going to bring the knockout well, artistry he, he back. Made it, to, he made it into the MMA. octagon, but yeah, then he got then he got you know then he, then he, he lost, and well, then that's it. What well, happens to that guy? That's actually the flip side of what you're talking about. You can build these guys. If if you to take advantage of the full their full time on top, which it might be two fights, it might be five fights, it might be six fights, you got to start pointing that you start singling them out earlier. That's what they did with Francis Ngannou, and you know I think he still has an incredible career ahead of him. But it doesn't. It's not wrestling. You can't write the script. The script would have been for him to beat Miocic, you know, and and he didn't and he didn't win. So then I what think, do you do? I think the big mistake they've made. They're so desperate to distinguish themselves from boxing. And it worked to a lot of degrees because they're always like the best are going to fight the best. Mm-hmm. This is how it plays out. But boxing is still kicking at 2018. Yeah. I mean, the ESPN ratings have been as as kind of shockingly good. Yeah. For and I think ESPN's been really pleasantly surprised by how that's worked out for them. But part of the reason boxing works is somebody gets a championship and they'll fight some meatballs and some tomato yeah. cans or some guys that kind of have a chance but not really, and they'll have that title for three, four years and keep building that equity. And then when they cash it in, like with something like the Canelo Triple G fight, it means something. And I UFC is not wired to do that, no. but you could argue that it's actually a great way to do it, and it's not a bad thing for uh, for Stipe yeah. to beat the shit out of three more guys totally and keep agree. his streak going, you know? Well, I mean, it's also it's also the great wrestling tradition of squash matches. I mean, you just send Hulk Hogan out there to clothesline and leg drop somebody and the crowd goes wild. We'll wait for him to have a significant match, you yeah. know? Um, I, think you're, I think that's totally right. I think UFC could do more of that, but you get into what's one of the biggest problems the, that they've had since signing their, their Fox deal and the thing that WWE's going to have to come, you know, stare down if they end up making a deal with Fox is that there's just too much. They're just taking up too much time on the air. They have too too many obligations of slot, time slots to fill. Well, we hate the three hour raw. Three hour raw, but I'm talking about UFC. Like you, they have they're running lot. They run live shows oh, on UFC's, TV all the time. And yeah, that's, they've oversaturated. When they when they when they hit their first peak after the Ultimate Fighter broke out and all that kind of stuff, it was be, it was 
partly because you could just turn on Spike TV at any point in time and see some fights. And these were fights you probably hadn't seen before right. because it was just blowing up. It was the library of 15, yeah. 12 to 13 years of fights. Yeah, but now the library is largely exhausted and they're still just throwing out these like they have they can't keep people healthy to have enough good you have I mean good pay-per-views but and they're still rolling out these like fight nights on Fox that you know sometimes it looks like there's guys in that cage that like have no business being professional fighters you know right. and that's thrilling in a way but like but but you know it's it's also sort of like you know sh- like jarring i think it's really hard for a casual mma fan which i'm a casual mma fan sure i will buy certain pay-per-views i will talk to somebody like you or mindenhall um, or my buddy Jeff, who's yeah. my best friend, is a huge MMA fan who you met. I don't know which shows to watch. No. I don't know which ones are the right ones and the wrong ones. And I think this is something that Jeff was really worried about when WME bought them because he thought he was reading between the lines of some of the stuff they were saying. And he was like, the worst thing they could do is have more shows and more pay-per-views mm-hmm. and just devalue what we're watching. Um he didn't think it was going to work. And I would argue that they're in a worse place than they were two years ago. And if you look at Meltzer's newsletter, um, which I really like, Uh um, has done a nice job of kind of breaking down just kind of how dangerous 2017 was for them. And if they didn't have the McGregor fight, which became the biggest thing that the UFC was ever involved with, if they didn't have that, it was a disaster of a year for them. Especially losing Rousey was a disaster. They kind of lost McGregor, even though he was in that boxing thing, but they kind of lost him as a signature guy. John Jones, mm-hmm. he flames out. Lesnar, test positive. Like, it seemed like he was going to come back. And, uh, you know, it's grim. I, I, I think they're in, they're in a dangerous spot right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's been really tough. It's like the, as the sport's professionalized, like you said, the more it's, it's less, uh, the further it gets away from being a, you know, a circus sideshow. Um, or human cockfighting, as that the great American John McCain once put it, um, the more difficult it is. It's a tough thing to put on as a real sport, you know. And they've learned a lot from WWE. You can tell in just the way they present fight their promo packages. There, there's so much right. stuff. Um, but it's but the, the you know the one ace in the hole that WWE has is like you were saying these guys are wrestling for a decade. You know, I mean, and even though they get hurt, Roman Reigns has had a share of injuries. But if Roman Reigns broke his arm. They, the day before WrestleMania, if they wanted to, they could still, you know, give him a baseball bat and have him walk out there and smack somebody with it. You know, I mean, it's... And they can always go out and get AJ Styles when they're one great wrestler short. Yeah, I know There's that, always that one signing they can do. UFC doesn't can't really be like, oh, let's go get this guy. Well, that's guy. the other big di- distinction between UFC and boxing is that UFC's is not a monopoly, but they want to be... I mean, they're, they're getting there and they want to be more of one, right? So if you eat all the competition... And WWE did this too, to be fair... If you once you eat all the competition, that's great for that financial quarter or whatever. But then there's no one pushing you, you right. know. In the on the more like metaphor, you know, on the more meta level, you need competition. WWE, they they made some really big mistakes with that network. I almost wish they had consulted us. I think we could have helped them. Yeah, there was some common sense stuff they just missed. But now they've they've figured out that basically. WWD, the, the network is live wrestling, mm-hmm. the library, yeah, and some documentaries, some some those quickie instant documentaries they do, uh-huh. and that's really it. You don't need to have like all these studio shows and all this stuff. Like just just have wrestling on there, and they've yeah. been smartly buying up all the rights to stuff. What was the stuff they just bought from the early eighties? They oh, bought. Uh, I didn't even see. What did they they get? They got another tape. Yeah, library? they added a whole bunch of. Um, 
shit. It was like it was like the early. It was like Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, and maybe it was the maybe it was. Oh, the, they put it. They just put it up on the network. Yeah, they put it up on the yeah. network. Yeah. So they roll. They roll out the different. They roll out different territories. You know, they're big in big chunks. Whenever and and old WWE historical stuff too. Though. Yeah. I get texts from friends. You know, so such excited texts where they're just like they just put up more prime time. You know, and and um, they do a good job of sort of uh, tr- keeping all that stuff coming it's like a 40 year this is what we wrote about four years ago it's now like a 40 year history of wrestling because they own all the libraries of basically everybody that matters yeah i mean they cut back a lot in the past couple of months to 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 save money in 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 making the in making their original programming you know i don't think was a bad idea yeah but i i agree for the most part um well what do you disagree with what what do you wish they were doing I, I just think if you're cutting back, I don't know what they're, I don't know if they're, if they're, I, th- I think they're just trying to save money full stop. It, it would cost more money to make, to do the history really, really well. Right. Because the show is like, right along, I mean, I think they're still doing right along, but when they, you know, having wrestlers talk to each other in a car or a restaurant or Rosenberg show, which I thought was really great, which was like, you know, PTI. I like Rosenberg show too. But that, but that, you know, those are cheap, cheap productions, yeah. right? And to really do a, you know, you can release all of this, all of this Crockett territory stuff, but you should, you should release it at the same time as you release, you know, a 90 minute documentary and also do like 10 hours of director's commentary with Jim Ross or whoever, just talking through matches. And, you know, you got to do all this stuff. You got to, got, you should layer it to do it really well. Um, but well, they, they have they have figured out a lot of stuff, and they're doing they're doing it a lot better. Using it for, as a platform for wrestling for two hundred five live and the cruiserweight classic and all that kind of stuff is and the British the UK tournament the the May Young Classic all those things have been really really good. I and think, they cut back on the pay per views, which I thought was smart because I thought they we'll were see doing how long that last. <laughs> but I thought I think they've done a lot of the research and they found that it didn't really matter whether they did twenty pay per views a year or twelve. Like people are still paying as long as they had one a month that people could focus I, on. I totally agree. By the I, way, we both agree with that. I've been I, saying I don't want if, more I've been less. saying forever they should have, even even if they're going to have separate Raw and SmackDown rosters, they should do the pay per views together and let you know wrestlers earn their way onto it. My biggest gripe with them right now is that. It seems like the WWE title isn't the most important title, which I don't really understand. I don't know what the mechanics were behind the decision to say, I I understand the universal title thing, but why not just call the WWE title the universal title? Oh, you mean the SmackDown? Okay, so everyone listening to this is is so confused. There are two two shows, Raw and SmackDown. They have separate rosters, separate titles. They moved the WWE title. They put the WWE title on SmackDown. To save SmackDown from looking like a second tier show when they split the two brands, but by up. doing that they devalued the WWE title. <laughs> yes, yes, but probably less so than if they had just said this is the you know we'll just call this one the WWE you know international title. Nobody would care about the SmackDown. Why title not just them. make the SmackDown the Intercontinental title? They should. They should. That I mean, was they, so stupid. They should take the main title. They they should honestly take the the WWE title and put it above both shows if they're going to have combined pay per views. Just have the that that you know the main event be separate from the from the brand split. The great thing about the WWE title and the thing that I think they really made the mistake on was, you know, there was a real lineage with that. I knew all the yeah. champions up yeah. through. You know, starting with Bruno and he loses Pedro Morales. And like, yeah. I knew, I I used to know every single title change through like 88. Yeah. 
And now it's like, so I don't, so the universal one is I, the one I'm supposed to care about now? I, it's weird. Well, and even that, I thought you were going to make the point that that belt doesn't matter. Because, and, that, and, I, and I agree with that too, because they've made a really conscious decision over the past six months or so that, you know, Brock Lesnar is your champion, but Brock Lesnar only shows up four times a year. Right. So over the past six months, they've kind of made the decision on the way to WrestleMania to pretend Brock Lesnar doesn't exist so that they can hype these intervening pay-per-views as being important. Right, because he's he's not always there. So um, you know, well, the, but they, the numbers on Brock Lesnar is when he's involved in a pay per view, it definitely bumps it. Oh and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But instead of just being, uh, I in, I wish that wasn't the case. But they, there's really never been another situation in wrestling like this, right? Where we've had, well, where we've I, had somebody I, who wrestles four to five times a year, and that's it. Meltzer's a guy to ask about this. Oh no, to, to wrestle that 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 rarely. I mean, I can't remember. Usually they don't reward somebody who barely shows up. No, but I mean, but even no, that's that's true. That's just not Vince's. That's not Vince's standard operating procedure, you know. I mean, but if you go back and look at like Hogan in his heyday, I mean, he's not like he was wrestling a bunch of matches on Saturday mornings or anything. No, he was, but he, he was touring his, with the company. He was yeah. doing house shows. Um, he always had his little story arcs. He would have the th- the three month. Yeah, and, and he, somebody turned on him, and he had to. Lesnar's had a lot of story arcs, even when he's not around. You know, he's like he's like nominally feuding with Goldberg or the Undertaker, even though he's not there every week. But like, but yeah, I mean, at this point, they're just sort of ignoring him. Now Roman Reigns is, I guess, going to take him take take him face him at WrestleMania, and we'll we'll be seeing a little bit more of Lesnar. The polarizing Roman Reigns. Yes. Uh, quick break to talk about me undies. I wear me undies every day, to the point that my family actually makes fun of me. I have no other underwear. Made from the softest material on earth, we're talking three times softer than cotton soft. Me undies are the most comfortable and fun undies you and your significant other will ever own. Ladies, they come in tons of different colors and styles, including solids and lace, boy short, bikini and thong, something for everyone, every occasion. Fellas, the diamond seam pouch gives your stuff the support it needs without feeling too tight. I know Tate's a big fan of that. <laughs> you like the diamond seam pouch. Uh, MeUndies is so sure that you'll love their underwear. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, get a full refund right now. My listeners get 20% off their first pair and free shipping. It's a no-brainer. What are you waiting for? 20% off free shipping, 100% satisfaction guarantee, and the best and softest underwear you ever own. All you have to do is go to MeUndies.com slash BS. A limited time offer. Start wearing the best underwear of your life. It changed my life. It's time to let MeUndies change yours. MeUndies.com slash BS. What wrestler came the closest to seeming like they were wrestling in their underwear? Oh, well, I, I talk about this sometimes in the show. If you watch um, um, the Masked Man show, if you, there's this really weird, uncanny valley thing where a wrestler wearing his briefs is totally fine, but if he's but he needs to wear knee pads and and or elbow pads. It, but sometimes you see a guy like Titus O'Neil is wrestling right now. If if you're a big guy. And just briefs, wearing the briefs, yeah. just the briefs and boots. It looks, looks it, you look like you're like yeah, like you're doing a strip tease. Like I just I yeah. still have my cowboy boots on and my underwear, but I'm not. But I, you know, I'm in the process of taking it off. It's it's here comes unnerving. Guns and Roses. Yeah, um, Ronda Rousey. Let's do it. You and I are not happy with how this has been booked so far. Ooh, uh, last night at Elimination Chamber. Was, I know you're going to talk about this on Wednesday on your show, yeah. so I'm totally stepping on it. I don't really care. No, let's do this it. This is important. This is the biggest signing they've made since who? Oh, I mean, since Lesnar came back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 there's nothing like that. She's kind of staggeringly famous. Yeah. And she crosses these two worlds. People are super excited about it. She came out at the end of WrestleMania and 
just pointed. The Royal Rumble, yeah. I'm sorry, Royal Rumble. And pointed to the WrestleMania sign. Yes. And then pointed to people, and it that was just weird, and I didn't, I thought that was really awkward. So it is, it's very awkward because you, I mean, you realize as, as gifted as some of these, as some wrestlers are at sort of improv, they need to have, like the, the the script is a very important part of the process, but what we the, the what was what made it so awkward was that Ronda Rousey came out and the three people in the ring I think there were three was you know the the two champions Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss and Oscar who had just won the Women's Royal Rumble. My and son's right, a big Oscar fan. She's great. She's great. And One of the best ever. I mean, she's seriously like top five. Yeah. Just t- overall talents and incredible. WWE. But she's but the three of them were in the ring. We know that they're all going to be at WrestleMania. What we the, the wild card is we don't know what Ronda Rousey is going to do. I'm talking about it, the Royal Rumble. She came yeah. out and it, at that point it looked like she would probably have a one on one match. Huge and, pop. And a, everybody yes. had been waiting for her to be in the Rumble, but she wasn't. But immediately we all felt the uncertainty because WWE wasn't sure if she could wrestle or not. You know, like yeah. there, we signed her, but we don't know what we have. So and we saw that again last night at the Elimination Chamber where she had her big contract signing and you, at that by the way, point, how many televised contract uh, signings have gone well? Zero. zero. As, as a longtime wrestling fan, <laughs> I've become suspicious of them. I always feel like that something bad might happen. I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, the, it look it looks like now that we're we're steering towards a, a tag team match, which will have her and maybe I guess Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie, which is strange. One because it shows the lack of confidence they have in her, and that's fine. She hasn't been wrestling for very long, and it'll it's good for the company. But it's but it does seem like a weird use of everyone else in that match. That's not my biggest fear with this. She might actually be like genuinely one of the worst mic skills people they've ever had I'm not- in a prominent role. I can't tell if she's just underplaying it now or if she's going to be really, really terrible and they're going to have to do the Brock Lesnar thing where she barely says anything and just looks menacing. Well, I think that would be fine. I said this last night. Like, like, why not bring up Paul Heyman yesterday? I don't know. Why put her well, in the spot? Because they be don't like, want to get her booed. You know, they, I mean, they, there's there's a way to talk yourself out of everything in pro wrestling. Or get a new manager. Get somebody we've never thought of. No, it should get just Tate Frazier. It should, it, yeah. Or just have her not talk. You know, if she just came out and she says like, if you just grabbed the microphone and said, you know, sorry, Steph, I don't, I don't cut promos, I cut throats, and then just like signed her name on the dotted line. You know, that would have been enough. I don't understand why they've, for the most part, thrown away the idea of the manager. This is a big thing of wrestling when I was growing up. Yeah. I still think it works. When you see what Paul Heyman's been able to do over the last 10, 12 years, it still matters. It does. And, I mean, and I, it really it really fills in the blanks if somebody doesn't have the personality. I mean, you could argue Roman Reigns has needed a manager the last two years. Yeah. I think that part of, for better or worse, you know, Vince and WWE sort of made the calculation that they are sort of, they're they're going to invest in like, uh, like high variant or, you know, they're going to make some risky bets. And part of that was that we're going to expect all of our wrestlers to be Dwayne Johnson, right? Not, you, not happening. Sink or swim. We're going to put the microphone in your hand. We're going to put you in the main event. You know, if, if once you reach a certain level, the, the expectation is you have to be the total package. This yeah. is not a Lex Luger uh, reference, but, the, but um, you know, and not everybody's that way, but you see it like, there was a period a few months ago where just it seemed like every week they were just letting Finn Balor get in the ring and talk. And Finn Balor is again another one of the top five guys in the in the in the business, in my opinion, as far as just potential and skill and everything else. But he's not. He's never going to be, you know, Shawn Michaels on the microphone he's making a, a bunch hang. of jokes, yeah. you know. And and 
and and they just let him talk. Now the flip side of that is they they brought in guys like AJ Styles and to an even greater extent Samoa Joe gave him microphones and suddenly you're just like oh my gosh this guy's an actor this guy's incredible like yeah. and I didn't realize it before. Um, but yeah, it's you, it's 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 bad. They should they should have managers, but they they I think they just see that as like a crutch, you know. I think that's the wrong way to see it, and I and I think actually, you can make a case like there's some female comedian out mm. there, or somebody who used to be a wrestler who got hurt, or just somebody that could help her and kind of like like yeah the Bella twins one of them can't wrestle anymore right because she got hurt they're both retired I think at least one at least informally but yeah I mean Nikki Nikki's neck was really messed up and yeah and so Bree, Nikki Bree's her manager I just had a kid you know and Nikki handles the mic stuff I the feeling I got um, the first time at Royal Rumble but then especially last night was that she's going to be really bad on the mic and just point to me the success stories in the WWE with people who gave who were just bad with the microphone. Well, she's not a bad talker. I, it's just, I, you know, every time you see an actor that show that would show up on Monday Night Raw to be the guest host, acting, acting, as, you know, on, for for TV and movies, and acting on a microphone in a wrestling ring are two totally different. It's things. presenting a shtick. Yeah, I mean, so and, she needs to figure out what her shtick is. And she needs. You can tell that she's she's sort of playing to the camera because she's used to giving in, interviews to you know Ariel Hawani and people. She's she, she needs to she, you have to be you're, when you're in the ring, you're playing to the person in the hundredth row. Right. right. And she's not found that volume yet. She I, was playing to the person in the first row. Not even that far. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was, was she was just having a conversation with Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, which is not how to do it. No, I, I'm very skeptical that she's going to be able to flip the switch. I think we would have seen it yesterday. And so the, they're really going to have to work with her and train with her to to kind of become I don't want to say a parody of herself, but she's got to become an exaggerated version of herself. It's it's a tough booking decision. I mean, and Brock, Brock Lesnar is a good comparison from his earliest days, but he didn't come in with this level of expectations. You and know, Brock Lesnar's like weirdly kind of compelling when he when he talks, oh, right? Yeah, oh yes, when he does, when he chooses to talk. But, so so she's got to at least she doesn't get that. even have the ring. She doesn't. I mean, it'd be it, she's not a she's not an Olympic wrestler. You know, she doesn't have yeah. this. She's a judoka, which is and she's incredibly gifted, and she obviously has a lot of mat skills. She's been practicing MMA for a long time. But you know, learning to be a wrestler is a different thing too. It'd be, it, you, it would be different if it was bring, if this was bringing in the greatest wrestler in the history of New Japan. But they're not like you know Shinsuke Nakamura. We bring in Nakamura. It's going to take him a while to get to where we want him to be on the mic. He doesn't speak English very well, you know. That but we know he's got this. We know he can wrestle. We you know we know that half of the that half of what we need is in place. Rousey right now is training. This is secondhand, but I mean, training in you know Florida with a with a black curtain wrapped around the ring, so no one's so no one can see what's going on. She's like the Markel Fultz of yes. wrestling. Yeah, well, so we know her closer will be the armbar, right? Mm-hmm. We Which know that she'll be able to do like a lot of fake punching and stuff like that. Yeah, hip tosses, you know, the throws. That She's sort of a good thing. athlete. Like she'll be able to do some flips and things like that. But the the problem for her is the women's division has gotten so much better. Yeah. You know, it went from like in the early days, it was just like hot woman wrestling. Oh, yeah. That was like their their gimmick. Then it became like attractive women who could also do some moves. And that was like the Bella Twins era. Sure. And but Lita was like probably, I would say, the most, would you say the most gifted of that era? Like well, she, was she was earlier, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but Lita, I mean, like crossing into that. Oh, yeah. Lita, Trish. And then and then you'd have to go backwards and pick. I'm sure there were some. I mean, I know there were some of some very talented wrestlers in the 80s. You know, I mean, like. 
Moolah, uh, fabulous Moolah. I mean, not when we were watching her, but of that era, there were a lot of people who could sort of who could work. But we, now we've gone into this era where even somebody like my son, who didn't a hundred percent love the woman rest the woman's oh, wrestling yeah. when he was six, now is like he got he's into it now. Yeah. And he the top five, like he really enjoys watching, and it does feel like there's going to be. A sea change with the women's part of the division might actually become as successful as the men. I I actually see a roadmap for it now where I didn't two years I, ago. I totally do. I th- I was saying this last night, and I know I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna come off sounding like an idiot, but there's not, you know, there is so much talent in the women's division right now. I'm not sure who the sort of Dolph Ziggler of the women's who I don't know who. Like I was trying to imagine who you let Ronda Rousey wrestle <laughs> night in and night out for six months when she makes it onto the Raw roster to like. Like, they, like when the Ultimate Warrior came up, they made him wrestle Rick Rude every night for like three months because Rick Rude was a, he knew what he was doing. And if you messed up, he would hurt you. You know, he, he right. would let you know it. But for the most part, it's like this. There's no way you can have a bad match against Rick Rude. Right. Um, there are other guys like that. Mr. Perfect. Like I said, Dolph Ziggler is one now who sort of got tarnished by the fact that he's a good hand. I don't know who that is in the women's division because everybody's there's not there's a lot of immensely talented people. But I don't know who Bailey. I'm trying to think. No one's really been slotted in as that that person that you work with. Th- those people are all in Florida. They're trainers. You know. Can but I throw a radical there. idea at you? Yeah, do it. I thought about this during the Royal Rumble because the the women's Royal Rumble was actually better than the men's Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, it was shocking. It was so good and had more surprises. The, the the big thing they messed up with the Men's Royal Rumble was that they have so many wrestlers now, there are no surprises. Mm-hmm. There was no, uh, you know, Scott Hall limping into the ring as like the 29th guy. And yeah. like those guys, we need, that. The, what makes the Royal Rumble fun is the blast from the past people and they just weren't doing it with that. Too, yeah, they have too many moving parts in the Men's Rumble. What if they made SmackDown an all-woman show? They need to have an all-women's show. That's the other thing is that... Isn't, I th- that, isn't that the logical out? And then we don't have to deal with this stupid universal title and all this stuff. And Raw's three hours, but it's jam-packed with all the male wrestlers. Yeah. And then SmackDown's two hours. Everybody's over there. Rousey's the face of it. And I, I just I wish think they it's would a smarter it. idea. I, I wish they would do it. I wish they would take some risks like that. I think that they have this sort of... This sure thing, which is Raw and SmackDown. And when they go to sell the rights, that's what they're selling, right? But if but it's funny because if, you, if, you, if you're if you WWE and you like zoom out and take a look at it, like look at what other providers want, right? Like when, when, when you make a show with Facebook, and I don't know the background of how this was made, but it's the Mix Max Challenge, which is a basically out of storyline show. Yeah. I mean, they're still playing the same characters, but good guys are teaming with bad guys. And it's, you know, it's men and women who don't necessarily have relationships on Raw or SmackDown or tag team partners. They, it's a totally separate thing, which they find almost impossible to do. And that's what you're talking about, having a separate thing. Hulu, you know, pays them who knows how much money to have a 90-minute episode of Raw that they air that they have on Tuesdays, an exclusive, just a, like a 90-minute a cut condensed? of Raw. Yeah, it's a oh, condensed cut of Raw. They've been doing it for years. And as all of us wrestling fans are just sitting here begging them to make Raw shorter than three hours, you oh know? Oh, my God. It's like, and, and Hulu's just like, oh, no, we'll pay you for that. You well, know? if they loaded Raw with just all the dudes... You could go three hours you if could, it's once a week. It, no, but you can't. Y- yes, obviously you can do. You can go three hours. It, like I'm not sure I would want it, but it, it makes more sense to me than. I, I just think it's a bad telecast it's, and it's a ratings grab. And it's I don't like if you were making it. if they if they, it's like if you were making a movie. If you're making Fast and Furious 11 and you have a great two hour cut, and then the, the studio comes and they say and they say for financial reasons we want this to be three hours long. Right. Your choice is either 
make the interstitial shots, the sun, the sunsets and the beer drinking, make the stretch that out to fill up an extra hour. Or you right. actually go back to the writer's room and you say, let's think of something good to do with this hour, you know? And WWE's taken the long swig of, you know, Corona. Um, Jonathan Coachman returned. Yeah. And he's on the broadcast. And I got to say, he's really good. Yeah. Like he's that they've had a real issue with that third spot on the, especially in the pay-per-views. It's mm-hmm. always been people that you and me and Rosenberg are sitting there going, wow, we would be better than this person. And yeah. now coachman was really good. He had some funny throwaway lines. He, I thought he sold it and it was the first telecast in years that I thought was good. He, I, I agree. And I've never said I would be better than anybody on WWE in the WWE. No, you tell me that all the time. No, it's not. You true. just said to that at Starbucks the other day, you were like, <laughs> This Andre thing now. Do you think I could be the third guy? You know, it'd be great. <laughs> um, Coachman's really good. I will say that here's the thing: uh, every new WWE, every new person in the WWE announce booth is just really great for like two months, and then we all turn on them. It's just yeah. that, the problem is them is that it, they never change. And I've been saying for years that what they need to do is let Michael Cole be the voice of pay per views and have and quit having set announce teams. Make it be like. Like for the average basketball fan, when you turn on a college game or even when you turn on a pro game, you don't know who's going to be like doing color commentary and play by play. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, look, another night with Marv Albert. This is a nice treat. I wasn't expecting this, you know, and like just let it be a rotating cast. Try out some different things. Like it's so that's so you, me and Rosenberg. Is that what you're pitching? Yeah. Just put you can put some crazy people in there. You can put some wrestlers there for the whole show. You know, they used to do. Um, but yeah, coach is really good. Coach brings that air of legitimacy and frankly, and, and he's, and they let him mess up too. And that's the great thing. He said some, he's, he's said things that like, you know, Michael Cole said five minutes before and he didn't realize it, you know? And, and, but there's a, there's, there's such a humanity to that, that it's, it's so much better than when it feels like every line's being fed to these guys. He actually feels a little overqualified. I mean, he was on ESPN for sure. a while, like with well, you're real ta- when you talk about managers and when you talk about announcers, the toughest thing is the legends of the sport in both of those roles are wrestlers who got hurt, who are looking for other jobs. It and 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 that's because they're they just you know it's magical that Bobby Heenan or not Bobby Heenan. I mean, there's so many of these managers and announcers. Jr. You know, he yeah. was he was sweeping floors before he got his first job as a referee, and then they let him call matches. Um, you know, it's. The hardest thing is not only do is, is I mean, above anything else they got to find people who are willing to be lifers, you know. And even Coachman's, you know, he left and he came back, but they're not going to hire. They're not going to go out and hire an actor to be a manager because Vince is Vince is and the, the wrestling industry in general is rightfully worried that they'll leave as soon as they get an opportunity. I think Rosenberg could be a manager. He would love it. He would love it. Would he be a heel? He'd be a heel. Yes. Oh right? yes. People hate Rosenberg. The best thing about a manager and the part that. I think it's underserved is we just don't see it anymore because everybody at WWE wants to be liked. I love when they go into the city and they insult the sports teams of the city. Oh, yeah. Is the single most reliable way to enrage it, mm-hmm. rage of 15,000 people. Yeah. Like you go into Minnesota and, you, and you're like, hey, Minnesota, sorry you choked against the, or, or the sorry Saints, you choked or, against yeah. the Eagles. Yeah. That was your Super Bowl, but you guys didn't get it because you're it's- losers. Yes. And the fans just go crazy. Like, it's like the most insulting thing you can do to a fan base. Yeah. And I mean, that's the manager is great at, the, at that stuff. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, because it, it's managers can just walk out in opposing teams' jerseys in a way that, you know, wrestlers. Who have was to the keep one who invented dignity. that? The, like, your local sports team sucks? Who was the one who would walk out in the jersey that would enrage the fans? 
Because oh. I remember like somebody did that in Boston where they wore like a Yankee jersey and it was like they they almost. I feel like Cena did that a couple times. Well, I think because it might have been Cena. But yeah, I mean, there but there there have been lots of people that'll ju- that have that have played with that. It seems like it's a this century thing. I don't feel like that was happening. I need to find Edge out. Edge and Christian used to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, but but certainly the first person to be like your your football team, your baseball team sucks has got to be ages ago. I'll, I'll let me, I should try to figure out who that was. I'm a bad person to do this ad because I have a scraggly beard right now. Mm-hmm. And you do as well. Uh, yeah. When did you start shaving? My like in life. Yeah. Oh man, I don't even remember. When, when was that? Like eighth grade or something like that? Ninth grade? Yeah, I, w- I was like college. It was embarrassing. Oh no, I didn't have anything to shave, but I, but I, you know, I was getting. I, I, I wanted to be I cool. I should have pretend shaved more because it would have made me feel better. Uh, my neck. Does your neck get really bad shaving oh, yeah. zits and stuff? Oh yeah. I started using the Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. And it saved my neck. I just used it the other day, actually. I sh- see my ne- my nice, clean shaved neck. Uh, recently, I started using the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield razor. I ordered and got four refillable razors and free shipping. Then every fourth order free, because I subscribed. And now you can get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. Do you know that? Wow. Get it right delivered to your door. Oh yeah. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. All I have to do is subscribe today. You pick your favorite razor. And you get every fourth order free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. All right, before you go, Andre the Giant, our documentary, April 10th. You can hear Shoemaker's voice in the two-minute trailer, which apparently got a huge pop at Royal Rumble. And every time they run in a pay-per-view, the fans go nuts for it. Um, In the beginning, you see somebody, and then you hear your voice in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, And the and. It's really good, and I'm excited, and and we really needed you. I'm Jason glad- Hare, the director, called you the glue guy of this documentary. <laughs> yeah, I think I've said before on and on, on this podcast or in, or in another one that the first thing that Jason ever sent me was just like a seven second clip of me starting a sentence and Jerry the King Lawler finishing it. Yeah, and, and I was, was just like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see anything else. I'm very happy with this production. Um, it's uh, it's really good, and I'm glad there's a couple of people that have been able to see it. So I'm, so I know that I'm not crazy, you know, and or biased, you know. I mean, it's I've seen, I saw several cuts, and that last one I saw was just, it was fantastic, man. It's yeah, because when I was at ESPN and we were doing thirty for thirties, and we did some great ones, when we were always a little bit prisoners to the time slot. Yeah. So if it was ninety minutes, the doc had to be an hour seventeen with thirteen minutes of commercials. Oh yeah, like that. okay. It was really cool to do a documentary that. You know, we wanted to get it under an hour and a half. Yeah. But it was the exact time it should have been. Sure. There wasn't like a wasted second to really like carve out every every single second. I mean, it's of like, it. it's a, it's his whole life, so there's a lot of ground to cover, but I but but Jason found a way to do it just really really well. It's good. And it tells uh the story of Andre and this guy who knew he was going to die yeah. basically from the moment he was like 20. Um but then also the B story about kind of the history of wrestling as it transformed from, from the territorial, territorial to yeah. the big one and i think uh i'm really proud of it you're great in it thank you for your contributions it's amazing and wrestling fan like even diehard wrestling fans you know i i know a lot of wrestling fans are just will be excited that hbo is making a wrestling documentary that we or that we you know that this documentary exists yeah. they love andre but they you know they'll say i've seen i've seen andre docs before you, you or, I've, or i've yeah read the read his, his the book about him 
I have a chapter in my book about him, and I'll, I'm, I'm gonna, this is a thing that a writer should probably always say more quietly. There's a lot of stuff where I got wrong in my book. Yeah. That Jason just like, Jason's the first one to do the legwork to figure out some like basic facts about Andre the Giant, you know? And it's, right. and it's, um, and he's, you know, we, he went to his home. His like childhood home. Yeah. It's unbelievable. There was so much mythology with Andre, we never knew what to believe and not believe. So we saw some of that stuff. Anyway, that's coming out April 10th. I think we're going to do a screening in New Orleans um, before WrestleMania. I'm what? hoping that weekend. Yeah. News to me. This invite is great. some Invite some wrestlers. So stay tuned for that. You're going to WrestleMania. Yeah. New Orleans. It's what the- match are you most excited for? We don't, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot in the air right now. A lot in the air. I'm excited if they, if they go through with just a straight up Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar match, I'm excited to see how the crowd reacts. I'm excited to see what those guys do to like move us to the next, next era of WWE. And I'm excited also for that sort of this to be over. They've been, this match has been looming for three years. So let's, let's do it. And we can read you. I'll be writing a couple times before WrestleMania. Okay. And we the Mass Man Show. The Mass Man Show. Press Podcast. Box. All right, subscribe. Oh, yeah, Press Box. You and Curtis. I know. America's favorite uh, longtime buddy <laughs> friendship. After Andy and Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the top two. Um, yeah, Press Box on Channel 33. Yeah. Breaking down media stuff. Yeah, we, and, and you're our art director. I know. You're one all, of the hardest working all men of the, at the doing, doing wrestling and media criticism, all this is just leading to just a showdown between me and Ramona Shelburne, I think, at this point. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you, man. All right, I wish the Black Tux had been around when I went to like 25 weddings in my 20s. The good news, it's around for you. High-quality rental suits, tuxedos delivered to your doorstep. TheBlackTux.com makes weddings or special events easier than it's ever been. God, I wish this had been around when I went to 20 wed- weddings in my 20s. The Black Tux offers free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. It's completely done online. No trips to the tux shop required. No tailors with cigarette breaths breathing all over you. The Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist selected outfits. Suits usually retail for $1,200 at the Black Tux. They started just $95. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. If anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away after you're done. Drop your rental back in the mall. Mail, mall, mail, in the mail. Shaping is free both ways. Get started right now. Visit theblacktux.com slash BS to get $20 off your purchase. Again, theblacktux.com slash BS. The Black Tux. Premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Right now, here's my conversation. 2013 Oscars redone with Sean Fantasy, Wesley Morris, and a little guest cameo from Cam Collins. All right, Sean Fantasy, editor-in-chief of The Ringer, is here. Hello. Wesley Morris from The New York Times, former Grantland colleague, Pulitzer Prize winner, general good guy. Thank you, Bill. Beloved you. Uh, teammate. He's here as well. We're going to do something that I've talked about doing for years, and we've never actually done it in any form, and now we're going to do it. In, bas- in baseball... There's a five-year waiting period before anyone can get in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> and I think for basketball they might have the they might have that as well. In general, the concept of a five-year waiting period, which seems dumb sometimes when Michael Jordan retires and it's clear he should just be in the Hall of Fame a year later, but the waiting period is good and it gives you a little time and distance and space, and you think to yourself, you know, something you thought in the moment maybe it calms down a little bit or whatever. I wish we did this with, with movies and, and music and television, but there's a lot of reasons that we don't. Um, 
from a marketing standpoint, it doesn't make sense. From I think it would be weird to have the Oscars five years after the movies came out. I get all of those reasons. Yeah. It's still a cool exercise. Yeah. So I thought we would try it for the 2013 Oscars, which covered <laughs> the movies in 2012. Yes. And what happens with this stuff, and what we talked about when we did the Get Out rewatchables, is sometimes the awards get it wrong. And you look back 10 years or 5 years or 20 years and you say to yourself, that's ridiculous. How did we let that happen? What a travesty that is. There are a lot of Oscar travesties. We're going to try to fix them in 2013 <laughs> and see if they even exist. What is your biggest Oscar travesty, Wesley? Of all time? Yeah, your number one that just drives you nuts. It, I'm going to limit it to things that, with situations in which Oscars were given to, to movies and or people. Okay. Uh, there are the obvious ones are pretty obvious. I would, the thing that first leapt to mind when you said that was Kim Basinger winning supporting actress. Wow. LA Confidential? Confidential. Oh God. I, I, I don't know. That's the first thing that leapt to mind. More than like Dances with Wolves over Goodfellas or. That's just the first thing that leapt to mind. Of course. I'm not going to argue. I have no argument against. Like, of course. Duh. The first one is Kim Basinger. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Mine is Goodfellas. That's a big one. And that's I a, like Dances a, with Wolves. It's 14 hours long. <laughs> but, and I've never watched it again. But I liked it and it was affecting. And, you know, those movies, it was like kind of the last you, era of You would watch it now and you would be like this. Talk about, there are two kinds of movies they don't make anymore or wouldn't make now. Yeah. Dance, dances with Wolves. <laughs> I, 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 it would be interesting to see the pitch on that in 2018. Uh, it, would, it would not happen. Yeah, it's just, just not, wouldn't it's not happen. Possible. Ben Affleck pitching Dances with Wolves in 2018. Good luck. I'm not. I'm not seeing it. There, we we we. Once upon a time, when we worked together, we all worked on a Oscar travesties package. Yeah, we yeah. did. Didn't we do a bracket? We did. A yeah, bracket. it was a bracket. The winner of that bracket was Stanley Kubrick, never winning Best Director. <laughs> which is <laughs> that's kind of a that's a that's a an interesting. Whenever you're talking about the Oscars, it's like keep that in mind. Keep in mind that the person that many people think is the most visionary filmmaker of the 20th century never won. Right. Grain 2013, salt. to refresh people's memories, uh, here are the signature movies. Argo. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Wow, this is great. Les Miserables. <laughs> Go for it. Keep going Les for Miserables. It. <laughs> Life of Pi. Lincoln. A movie that is not age well. Silver Linings Playbook. Zero Dark Thirty. Django, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Amour, um, The Master, which did somehow did not get nominated for Best Picture, even got though nominated. there were nine nominations. Nominated for, wait, it got nine nominated. Oh, wait, no, yeah. They now, got, there were nine nominated Best Pictures nominees. I can't speak. Nominated and the master only, is one of them. only in the acting categories. And then uh, Flight was that year. And... Um, there are a couple movies that got overlooked, including End of Watch, which we're going to talk about. Mm. This is this is forty came out that year. Ted, The Avengers, The Dark Knight Rises, and Taken Two. Mm. I think among Sky, others, I think Skyfall Two is an interesting Skyfall. One to think about forgot about in Skyfall context. Yeah, um, which is like the only good Bond movie. That's my quiet theory. Interesting. I like Casino Royale, but I think I just have a gambling problem. <laughs> the uh, it's one of the worst worst poker scenes of all time. So best picture. Here were the nominees. Argo, Amour, Be- Beasts of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Miserables, Les Miserables, Les Mis, 
Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty. The winner was Argo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, as we're going to discuss in a second, is interesting because not only was Ben Affleck snubbed from Best Director, so was Quentin Tarantino and so was Catherine Bigelow. Yes. Wesley was writing for Grantland at the time and was very upset about all of this. The director snubs. Although, you could make the case they just had great nominees that year and when you have eight, weird shit happens. That Who is knows? That is certainly true. Um... I mean, I just sort of felt like, I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, let's, let's, why don't you read who was nominated for best director, Bill? Well, we'll, let's hit picture first and then we'll do director. All right. So first question. Yes. Five years later, Mm. should Argo have won best picture? We'll go around the room. Sean Fantasy, you were first. Yes. Not because I think it is the superlative film, but I think it is the best story that, the Oscars was going to tell that year. This mm-hmm. is a strange collection of movies, and I don't think that any win would have been satisfying because all these movies are complicated in their own way. It's a um, bunch of number two starters. Exactly. There's no ace. Exactly. I like. I like Django. It's a baseball a lot. analogy. Was that was not my face. I understood what you meant. Okay, I, I just fun. disagree. Go go. Okay, keep going. I, I think like Zero Dark Thirty, for example, is a movie that is aging worse by the moment yes um and the way that that movie not as a film but the, the story that it's telling in the context it's providing it's okay. become much more complicated the more we learn about what we did in the middle east and how we pursued information and what was provided to that movie by the fbi and the cia versus what may have actually have been true so a win there would have certified it in a way that would have been complicated yes i think a more and beast of the southern wild were never going to win right right yes les mis um is not good uh, <laughs> um, oh, but ugh, go on. Life of it's Pi, you're right. It's, Life of Pi and Lincoln are achievement movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're beloved movies. Silver Linings Playbook, I'm not a fan of. I'm if we people want to adjudicate it, we can do that together. Well, let's do that in a second. I think Argo was a, a crowd pleaser. It was a successful box office story. It was a an actor transitioning to director and kind of reaching his summit as a filmmaker. Not insofar as the achievement, but like the story that that he that was being told about his career. Right, and it was also it was that typical Oscars thing where the Oscars loves a movie about Hollywood itself. Yeah, and Wesley. Uh, yeah. I mean, what else? I mean, well, this is a thing that when we talk about the Oscars and in the in these in certain sea changes, and you you put anything up against. You put any kind of movie up against a movie about Hollywood and the movie about Hollywood will win. It doesn't matter what that movie is about. I mean, Crash is a movie about Hollywood. Argo is a movie about Hollywood. The Artist is a movie about Hollywood. Anytime you've got a Hollywood-oriented movie nominated for Best Picture, it's just going to win. But did you think it should have won? Uh, who would you? But who what is do you your mean, dream? What is should mean? What was the best movie that year? Of Five the, years later. Of these nine movies? Yeah. Um, I, listen, I think, I think Django Unchained and Lincoln are the two best of, oh wait, sorry, Amor, Django Unchained and, 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 and Lincoln are the three best of those movies. Um, I don't think, I mean, and then what you're saying, I, I, I sort of scoffed a little bit at your, your number two metaphor. I didn't say they were bad number no, two no, no. starters. I but, think they were, but, they, they but were like 16 and 11 with like a 302 ERA. You're actually right. Each <laughs> one of the none of these movies is the director's best movie. They are in a second tier of that director's yes. movies. Um, I mean, Argo, 
I don't think is as good as The Town. Agree. Uh, Amour is certainly not Michael Hanukkah's best movie, but it is very good. Beasts of the Southern Wild, the less said, the better, but it's this, it's, it's Ben Zeitlin's first movie. So and only I, movie to date. And only movie to date. Django Unchained, there's a case to be made that it's one of his best movies, and I really like it a lot. I would not put it in the second tier of that director's movies. Les Mis, whatever. Inexplicable. Uh, it, well, for an for I will say for an hour that movie is, I was hooked, and I was convinced by all of those people doing what they do, except obviously for Russell, even Crow. Russell Crowe, except for say. Russell Crowe. <laughs> but even that to me is a fascinating movie star mm-hmm. challenge, right? Yep. Where you have Russell Crowe pitted against Hugh Jackman, who I would say in some scenario might have been a market correction oriented sort of thing. Mm. Um, We Mm. can think about that. It's not quite completely satisfying, but we can think about it. Um, I don't know. Les Mis is fascinating. And then you realize that you also realize it's just a bad musical once you get to the second half. It's great for production. Um, Life but, of Pi, not Ang Lee's best movie. Not like that's a second tier Ang Lee. That's like Lincoln, a third starter. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a fourteen and thirteen. Maybe got hurt halfway through the. But year. it is a directing achievement, though. It it's really fine. is. The, it is a very well directed. How movie. many Life of Pi conversations have you had in the last four years? Zero. Yeah. I I can see that, that movie is a perfect reason to do a podcast like this. It's that is a movie that is just lost in our memory completely. Yeah. And somehow that's, that's yeah. the movie that Angie, who is like kind of a master that yes. he, that he won his best director for this movie. F Y, that's going to happen to Shape of Water. It's, well, that's we're a, never going to well, talk about that good movie. Context. Three months it's, from it's now, it's good. It's good context. It is not Del so like, Toro's best movie. What was that for sex movie that was weird and it won <laughs> yeah. the Oscar? Like, what the hell happened? I think that it's it's really weird that the Master's not on this list. I think there's a case it's, for the yeah, Master. Yeah, well, this is movie. This is where we go. It's this not is, nominated, this is, yeah. and you know. Well, first of all, it's incredible that the Master's not on this list. Yeah, right. yeah. Amor and, and Beasts of the Southern Wild are here, and the Master is not. You can How make that a happen? case the Master was the best movie of the, all these movies. If the Master was on this list, I would. The the Master was on this list. I would. I would still feel the way I felt. I feel about Amor and Django Unchained, and and Lincoln. Wait, let's go through this list. Let's finish going through the list. Lincoln mid like top mid tier Spielberg. I really like this movie a lot. I do too. Um, I, I don't I, like it, Bill. Even the political shots that people Dislike took against it. it I, I have no problem arguing it's not, against not a fun movie. Oh, all those, all of those, all of that Congress stuff is really fun. I dig it. And the second half of the movie where James Spader and, um, uh, who's, who's his sidekick. Is it, um, the little guy whose this name is, is now, you guys are too, are too far too right now. <laughs> We're talking about a Spielberg movie starring Daniel Day Lewis and Sally Field. You guys also like the Field. John Adams miniseries? I think John Adams is a that was pretty good. Yeah. Fine. Okay. There you go. Okay. So um, there's two types. Of this people. is so much better. If than... you like Lincoln and John Adams, or not you really? You can't, cryptic. Bill. You. I'm not going to let my you. My buddy do Jacko this. loved Lincoln. I'm not going to let you do this. It's fine. Lincoln it should... is is the most entertaining movie you're ever going to see. The about Master is better government. than Lincoln. Yes. But that's not what we're talking about. It's more about. interesting. It's more original. I agree. It's, yes. It takes more chances. Bill. Of course, yes, you're totally Silver right. Silver Linings Playbook, I think at least 40% of that movie was that we were so enchanted by Jennifer Lawrence and her potential as a star. Define we. Uh, <laughs> I would say most of America. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, mo- most most uh, non-cynical Americans. Okay. Okay. And I think now after five years of watching the career choices and some of the things she's done... Not as enchanting. Yeah, we can get to maybe her in that category, right? Because that'll that 
that's helped. I'm going to keep doing uh, four sports metaphors. Little like Vince Carter, early Raptors, <laughs> wow. where you're like, wow, this is amazing. But now you look back and you're like, eh, you made the yeah, round two yeah. once. Right. Congratulations. Um, here's the thing. She won a dunk contest in, in Silver Linings, though. That was she did. Thing. It's a dunk contest. Right. That's what that movie is. Over him? Well, she just, won, just in general, the performance she is won like, the, she won it doesn't the really mean anything. Right. It's just yeah, like, I, look at my charisma. Yeah. Well, but... Right. Yeah, but let's we can go back to that in a second. But I also think Silver Linings playbook of these nine movies was the one that arm that sort of it arm wrestled America into acceptance. And I think that it charmed everybody who saw it. I didn't want to like it. Uh I still don't think I do, but while I was watching it, mm-hmm. I was I was I was totally taken with well, it. Well it had one big thing too is that it was Bradley Cooper I think this was before Limitless, right? No, it's after. It's after, after Limitless. It's after Limitless. A little bit of a coronation for him as like a real movie star. Yeah. yeah. And as an actor. Like he, had, yeah. he had shown, he gave us a couple peaks, and then yeah. this one, he's really getting it. Yep. Um, and then Zero Dark Thirty is, yeah. is, I think, her best. It had a moment. It was part of a cultural moment that people were ready for a movie like Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. I think. When it was released, it was that my, helped. It, that year, it was my second favorite movie of that year. I was pretty impressed. I was really impressed with how she told that story it's um, her best it's her best directing yeah but movie. now that's the story itself is is like i said earlier just like way more complicated it's very well crafted yeah yeah i mean it is that is the, that is of these nine movies i mean they're all mostly really well directed yeah, but you can have other movies in there like that for me the master is in play oh well the list. master all right so if we're leaving the the confines of the best picture nominee what was the best picture five years later the master the master is unquestionably I mean and the things that it's about are unquestionably timeless in some ways in terms of this this question this quest of of selfhood and this search for someone to complete that quest for you um people who fraudulence is like spiritual fraudulence you know economic fraudulence emotional fraudulence it is just it is such a great movie about about America in a lot of ways without declaring any grand statement about America mm-hmm. at all. I and have, the acting uh, is great. I think Amor was really good. Amor is it great. Is really good. I I don't think it should have won Best Picture because it's just too kind of under the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was small. You, you have it's to have really some quiet. sort of moment. And it won, I think it won Best Foreign Film. Yeah. Yeah, and a foreign film's never won Best Picture, right? Is that right? Uh, a foreign film winner or yeah. a foreign film? No, a foreign film nominated a foreign for Best language, Picture has never won. If you just if you the chart, artist does the artist count? Oh, the artist yeah. does the artist count? I guess it does. Yeah. I mean, it's Produced set by an it's American set in company, Los Angeles, but, yeah. but uh, if you spent twenty days in a row and you had amnesia and you missed this whole year and you just watched these twenty movies in a row and just just start to finish which is the best one the best crafted the most moving all that stuff i think Amore wins i don't think mm. i think it's weird it would have been weird if it won best picture i think how it ended up was good it got nominated it won best foreign film yeah it made it um, made like a, a great international filmmaker a little bit more of a name brand in america a few more people saw the white ribbon and 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 um uh, it's a heart and all of his you know the piano teacher and all the great michael hanukkah movies they saw them because Amor got nominated for Best Picture, which is a great thing. So I I would have that. I think the Master should have won. And I think Django is actually kind of like 15% underrated now. 
And now maybe because of the moment Tarantino's having, you know, it's going to get lost culturally. And I, I think he's in a lot of trouble, but we're in a reevaluation period. Yeah. Him, obviously. Just in general. But, um, <laughs> the master is so fucking weird. I watched it with my wife again, like a month ago and she'd never seen it. And she didn't like it and was having a real visceral reaction to it, but also mm. couldn't stop watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Phoenix's performance the second time around, or maybe it was the third time I said, I don't know, but he's so good in that. I know we're going to talk best actor. It's just such a, there's just no movie like that movie. I had a great viewing experience with, uh, with for that movie. I saw it opening night, Thursday night at midnight at the Arclight in Hollywood. I saw it with Chris Ryan and Alex Papadimus, your former podcast partner, our former colleague. And... It was after a long dinner at Musso and Frank, and it was mobbed. The dome was mobbed mm-hmm. for the master. Mm-hmm. And people came out of the movie theater at 2.45 in the morning, and they were <laughs> humming. And 2.45 yeah. in the morning is not a time in L.A. You know, like the yeah. city shuts down <laughs> at 2. So to see a, a fully packed dome lobby and seeing people like really excited about a movie that is a strange film was is like very – is really – I don't think any of these movies have greatness except for that movie. All these you movies mean, are you really good. Do you think they have any greatness? No, just like re- like real like unique greatness. I don't know. That's the one that stands out for I, me. I don't know. Like Django Unchained. I, I that that is a that is a that is a great. It has, I would say that's great performance, and it and it really is going for something in terms of what it's arguing. There's great sections. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's there's no part of that movie that doesn't interest me. Like, endlessly. so it sounds like that's your even vote, the problems uh, of the night of those. No, 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 no. That's not true. I think the master is like it is a perfect, perfect movie. There is nothing wrong with that movie. Every single thing about it works. And you know the thing that, of course, kept it from being nominated for any. It's not nominated for original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Or director, best picture, whatever. I, really I can make think. It, I think the voters saw him jerking off in the ocean like ten minutes in, and they were like, "No, I'm out. Bill, <laughs> turn that's this not, off. That's not what hurt it. It's this the eighty-two-year-old Scient- voter. It's the Scientology thing. Maybe yeah. it's the it's the belief that yeah. it's the thing that got set in motion that this is a movie about Scientology, and no matter. I mean, clearly, I'm not even positive that's true. But it doesn't matter. That's the narrative. No, no, I'm saying I, I'm that, that, but that narrative that it's right. about Scientology and it's like I don't. I'm sure there's pieces of it, and maybe it was inspired by that. But I don't think that's what the movie was about. One other element of it, I think, that has made it age better is it's it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's last great performance. I mean, he passed away only a few years after this was made, and so it's it's strange now that it's not acknowledged in that way. You know that it's it has not become a part of Oscar history in that way because he's he's just captivating it is everything i would say that that's a top three hoffman how right yeah incredible how he how christoph waltz won an oscar and in a category that included oh, for your favorite very, movie Django. i mean we, are we going to talk about this later should yeah, we just hit yeah it? yeah okay uh last thing just for we're gonna Wait, move Bill, to, what is your what is your pick who do, what do you think should have won I, I think the master the master but what, what about the of the nominees i would i would have gone with Django, and i don't feel great about it okay hmm, interesting uh Argo, I think, is really good, but I just, it's hard for me to believe that won the Oscar. It's a really good movie. Gripping, good action movie. I feel like I've seen 15 different versions of that movie mm-hmm. over the last 20 years. It got criticized as like a high toned TV movie when it's, it came out. It's really good. Affleck's hair is very strange. It's hard to get by in the <laughs> he rewatches. looks good. You like it? Movie. Oh, you oh, love, yeah. you love you weird hair, beard combos. Gratuitous shirtless scene. It's, 
Listen, Son, listen, man. They all, do they all do it. They all do it, and you're just talking to the wrong person okay. on that one. Okay, I'm I'm not going to complain. It's a choice. It's it's a good movie. I'm he, not positive I would watch it if it was on tonight and I had no other options. It's low key a big win for um, magazine adaptations. You know, it was like a magazine yeah. story that was made into a movie. Which yeah. um, that's all. That's good for all of us. That's Best director was Ang Lee, One for Life of Pi. Uh, Michael Haneke, Amor. Haneke, yeah. Haneke, sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's Hanukkah if you're doing it really right. Uh, the Beast of the Southern Wild guy. I'm not saying his name. Spielberg, Spielberg for Lincoln, and then uh, David O. Russell for Silver Linings Playbook. Tarantino snubbed. Affleck snubbed. No Bigelow. Bigelow snubbed. No Wes Anderson. Oh, wait, is that that year? That's yes. different. No Wes Anderson. No Wes from Anderson. The right Kingdom. No yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson for The Master. Yeah, I mean, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson. There's snubbed. a whole other wow. five director category. Five. There's a five other best director nominees. They could have made a loaded a, movie. Yeah, because the best actor category is really good. Wither Tom uh, Hooper for Les Mis. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. that was a thing that that was a little bit of a tiny thing. The next day, there there was no yeah. Tom Hooper. I'll tell you what has an age well is Ang Lee's Oscar for Life of Pi. <laughs> that is in the fridge, and I need to throw it out. Let's, but like, let's. What's that smell in the fridge? Oh, it's Ang Lee's Oscar. <laughs> okay, but throw that thing away. Let's let's like pay a little homage to Ang. Yeah, Lee. I mean, Fine. we have to. We, there's no choice. We have. I think to. he's very good at what he does. Sense he should have won the Oscar that year. The Ice Storm. Great. I think you Crouch, know where I stand in the ice tiger. storm. Hulk. I want to do an ice storm rewatchables. <laughs> Hulk. Would you be in the Hulk, ice storm Hulk? rewatchables? Yeah, you ride for Hulk. What? What? The ice storm rewatchables? Oh, for sure. That movie's fucked up. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of your your era. That East a Coast, Darien, Connecticut, yeah, man. Yeah. I was like in high school, right near there. Yeah, that, super were weird. Were you Tobey Maguire in that movie? Uh, Please don't no. say you were Kevin Klein. No, but that inspired uh, the the key party that we have every week at my house <laughs> on Fridays. The uh, the Angley Oscar is awful. It's, it's a makeup Oscar for Got, Brokeback. It's okay. all it's that's that's what it fine. Is. They if, that's, get, if that's what we're saying, that's fine. Brokeback didn't won win. Brokeback. He didn't win. He should have won. Wait, that he should have won, won for that year. I think Angley did Paul win Haggis, that year, wasn't it? No, Haggis didn't win. Did he win? Maybe he Angley won. won for he won for Brokeback Mountain. This is not a makeup Oscar. Oh, you're right. This is. This is this yeah, do Oscar. Do we still have to make up with him if he won the Oscar? No. Oh, then the, that's a really weird. No, win. the Angley. <laughs> listen, I did. What did you? Do you remember what you said to me like the day after this happened? No. I believe you were the person that got me on this American directors kick. Oh yeah, that we've been talking about. Now. Right. Right. And that that he. I don't know if I mean I can't remember who won the year before. I think Quaron won the year before this. Right, American white American men don't win. Or this the year Quaron wins Chazelle the year won, after. But otherwise, since then, um, and it was just really. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, you watch that movie and it is such a director's movie. I don't know what people saw when they saw The Master that doesn't make that a director's movie or Zero Dark Thirty. I would 30. say that's the most directory movie, The Master. Yeah, I mean, or Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, I don't know what the director's branch is going for or looking for when they when they cast their ballots. Um, Beast and I, of the Southern and I don't Wild. Know, I was going to say I don't know what they see in Beast of That's the Southern Wild. Lincoln but, should have gotten snubbed too. Um, Fuck Spielberg. I think Beast of the Southern Wait Wild. A, oh my God! What are He's you trying to get? I mean, Sean was. I needed to increase his. Sean energy. had to look out the window when you said that. I just ignored it. Um, <laughs> the Ben Zeitlin thing in Beast of the Southern Wild is is weird and probably requires a little bit of interrogation. Um, you know, that was a big hit at Sundance, and it was released in the summer. And it, it it did decent business for it did a movie well. with it did no well. stars, and you know, it, obviously, Convention A Wallace became 
a bit of a a a thing, a thing for a that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Never had one conversation about that movie since 2013. You know, I remember like Chris Ryan was a huge fan, and I think oh, it did a lot your, of. Like, there's our first problem. Well, it did a lot of like well, you, you're, the King you're of Mi- Dunk. The Dunkirk thing kills kills me with Chris Ryan. That's your Miami Vice brother. I know. So I got to keep that, in and mind. it's my proof you of life. You don't want to lose that. You definitely um, don't want to lose your proof of life. No, brother. I don't want. I have no other proof of life brothers. I think people thought it was like a formal achievement because he had no money and he made something that was magic magically real. That it's, was the idea. It's definitely something, and it is definitely. It is a kind of achievement. I just am not a. I just don't believe in that movie. Really, they say, um, they they have an award for it. It's called the Independent Spirit Awards. <laughs> I think part of the problem is that there were so many good director choices, and we don't know how they do the votes. If it's just first place and most first place votes wins, or yeah, I mean that's how that's that not a weighted ballot. It's a. It's, it's I not. think it's a typical ballot. So if you had nine different camps and everybody's getting eleven percent of the vote, who the hell knows? Uh, I can't believe who should have won. This was Ang's second Oscar. That's so weird. Yeah. This is really a really weird win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I didn't think he was. Who would you have voted for? Yeah, everyone's on the table, Sean. Definitely PTA, because that's that is the whole. That's the big vision. That's yeah. the super auteur movie that is like I, yeah. I believe in something and I'm going to see it through fully, no matter how weird it is. I have that too. I agree. Of the of the five people. What's funny is Tarantino probably would have been my second choice. Mm-hmm. And I think Bigelow would have been my third choice. I don't yeah. have any of the five nominees in my Moon top Rise three. Moonrise Kingdom is his is his Bizarre. is is Wes Anderson's best movie. He I basically got the nod for that on Grand Budapest Hotel. Right. Right. They right. kind of carried that over. Actor. I, yeah. DDL won for Lincoln. Cooper and Silver Linings Playbook. He's really good in that movie. He's yeah. really good. Uh, I don't think I realized his full name was Patrizio Pat Solitano Jr. Mm. Did you know he was a Patrizio? I did not. I did not. Well, thank uh, God they didn't beat us over the head with that because they'd have lost me. <laughs> Patrizio, really? Joaquin Phoenix in The Master is Freddie Quell. Denzel in Flight, which mm. we're going to talk about in a second. Whip and Whipper. then... Uh, just a travesty of a fifth nominee, Hugh Jackman for Les Mis. I don't, I don't fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck Hugh Jackman. Do your, fuck do, that movie. Explain the Russell Crowe, uh, Hugh Jackman market correction. That's a great take. No, well, Hugh Russell Crowe can't sing and dance. Well, but here, but, but thirty is, odd foot of grunts would tell you otherwise. His band. <laughs> Here's the thing about 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 their careers, though. This is the first time Hugh Jackman had actually been able to do that in a movie. Right. Like nobody, all these dummies, I mean, with all due respect to the dummies in Hollywood, all the dummies in Hollywood wanted him to like be Wolverine and and do things that were like Wolverine in other movies. Nobody wanted him to be the thing that Meg Ryan saw in that. The Boy From Us. In that shitty uh, comedy that she, like the last of the romantic comedies she made where they have to time travel Hugh Jackman into the present to find to like to satisfy the Meg Ryan urge for love. Oh, good, good luck and, there. <laughs> yeah, Kate and Leopold. And Kate and Leopold. Uh, and nobody. He became Wolverine, and he stayed Wolverine. And then finally, but on Broadway, I mean, everybody knows that Hugh Jackman has jazz hands. That's not a euphemism or a metaphor. Right. He just he likes musicals, and that's not a euphemism or a metaphor either. Uh, and I just feel like this is the first movie that lets him do that. Okay, great. He shouldn't have been nominated. Um, <laughs> He's really did, good. It did, okay, the first hour. It did predict too, like what the back half of his career is going to be. Like right. the Greatest Showman is a huge hit. It's a right. sh- surprise. Now, hit. That, if he got nominated for that, I wouldn't have been offended. Well, that would be a problem because he's not good in it. But the well, movie, I'm just saying, it, at least it does that movie put him, was good. It does put him to like the best use. So you think Django is so good? 
yet you don't think any of the actors should have been nominated? I think DiCaprio should have been nominated, and I think Jamie Foxx should. And I think Samuel so L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson should have been nominated. All right, we're, we're getting it's insane. That, we're not that in Leo supporting. and Samuel L. Jackson and Jamie Foxx are not nominated. Well, that's the thing. So Jamie Foxx, I'm giving you the Hugh Jackman spot here. That's fine. I'm Jamie gonna protect Fox the can... other four. I'm protecting yes. Day Lewis. I'm protecting Phoenix, Denzel, and Cooper. So that fifth spot could be Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. It could be Jake Gyllenhaal and end of, end of uh, Watch. I wouldn't do that, but I, su- <laughs> I, I I support you as you you know as a Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm a humongous fan. End of Watch fan, and I think that's been as the years pass, kind of the the lost one that gained steam. David Ayer's career has not aged that well. The director no, of that movie, yeah, he made Suicide Squad. He made Bright last year. He at that time, I was like. This guy might be the new Michael Mann. That was like, kind of what was the Pattinson well, movie this year? Good time. Good time. That yeah. was kind of the good time of that year. Yeah, they it was have good. It was common. under the radar. Yeah. Everybody liked it, and it's just very propulsive. I mean, he was he did a thing too where he was kind of iterating on found footage and what horror movies were doing at that time, and tried to apply it even though he broke the yeah. rules of it a lot. That didn't like bother you about that movie, by the way. That's it broke the, the rule. That's no the found footage thing. That was that movie's big flaw. To yeah, me. everything else worked except for that. The cops are good. Uh, all right, so Michael we think Pena Jamie Foxx for that fifth spot. Can I just say, like, this Oscar sucked. Like, what did they? What were they doing? These well, that's why we're doing this. Terrible. They're what? really bad. Oh, they've missed so many things they, here. I mean, there's so many choices that yeah. I would have just gone the other way. Like every year, you're like, oh, this is annoying. This person got snubbed. This one in particular, I'm like, how is Jamie? How are Jamie Foxx and Leo not nominated, and and Hugh Jackman is nominated? Well, and Hugh Jackman. This I mean, is why we, we're doing this. DiCaprio goes in the supporting category. Yes. Okay. All right, right. So let's. But but Jack. But he, Jamie Fox. I can. I. I'm dis, I was disappointed that that didn't happen. I think five. I think if this is five years later, I think he gets it. He gets I think, nominated. Gets I think the voters yeah. are much more concerned now about <laughs> what obviously was happening here, where right. they just That's voted fine. for four white guys and Denzel. Um, but Den. Well, first of all, that is Denzel's. That is his best thing. In, in a long time. Well, so at that point, he's very good in this. This is a great category. It's and a great put, category. Even with you, Jackman, in it, it's a great. That top four great is fucking awesome. Yep. Who should have won? Daniel Day Lewis. I, I I really like DDL too. I think Daniel Day Lewis. It, it just like there's a. I wish I had some take against it. Like I can wish I make I had, the case for Phoenix. Of course you can. The, what I grew up with with De Niro when he went haywire with roles like that. And we were all like, oh, my God, this is amazing, De Niro. For some reason, we don't do that with Phoenix. No. And I think he has a lot of baggage mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. that doesn't help him. Mm-hmm. He did that crazy movie with Casey Affleck that didn't yep. help him. I don't remember if that was before or after this. That's That was after this. Doesn't, I mean, that was before this. That was before this. It was before this movie, yes, right? that movie was... I'm Not Here was before The doesn't Master. doesn't seem like he has the weight. And it's almost like if this had been any other actor doing what he did in this movie... I think he wins. And mm-hmm. it was like he got penalized for being him. Yeah. I mean, it, in a weird way. Lewis was amazing. I'm not, I'm not going to argue against that. Like, it, he, it was not an impersonation. He did all the stuff he always does. But, like, if he's going to win for Lincoln, then he should win for every movie. He should win for Phantom Thread this year because he's equally as good in every movie. Right. Yes. Well, here's the. So here's, I don't know why this movie versus other movies, I guess, is my point. Here's my one thing about the Oscars, though. I think if you're like, I mean, this will never happen, obviously, but I just like if you're playing a living person, you should go in a different acting category. 
Because Ooh. I think the achievement, I think that what Denzel do and Joaquin Phoenix does and Bradley Cooper, all three of those guys, I just think an original, an ori- playing an original character who doesn't have any so sort creating of pre-existing, a character from scratch. I think what 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 Joaquin Phoenix is doing things in this movie that I just have never seen an actor. I agree. It's like it's I, kind of a heat check performance. That that moment where he goes under and it's and people I remember people writing it off as like being a stunt and the the look on the people in the house, the mm-hmm. other actors in the house as he's doing this, it's acting on the one hand, but it is real. You mean a, from the window to the wall scene? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh my god! What about that all is the stuff so he does? What if the stuff he does with his body? He's oh, like, yeah, everything. Like weird, like back. He's, I mean, yeah. He's I mean, like a veteran. He's like a guy who is. It's, it's kind of hard. It's almost like we should have rolled his performance over to another year when we had a bad winner and given <laughs> him that Oscar. You know what's interesting too about this? There's something interesting about what Daniel Day Lewis did this year in Phantom Thread that also kind of needed its own category, which is like we talk about creating a character from scratch, but like in Phantom Thread. He basically co-wrote the character right. with the writer-director, which right. is a different version of making up a character. And maybe Joaquin did this with PTA too, but that's just uh, that's different. That's different from Denzel getting a script and saying, "I'm in." Well, well but yeah, I, I hear you, but I think that I think you're 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 refining my complaint, right? Right. I mean, I feel like you, you both, and I are on the same yeah, page you about both, this. Yes. As the arbiter, you both said the same thing. Okay, great. Uh, best actress is is uh, the opposite of the best actor yeah. category. Jennifer Lawrence won for Silver Linings Playbook, which I had somehow blocked out of my mind. Chastain, Zero Dark Thirty, Sean's uh, alternate universe wife. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Emmanuel Riva in Amour. Mm. Beasts of the Southern Wild Lady. Quavenjane Wallace. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it. And... Uh, Naomi Watts got nominated for The Impossible, which was like a Netflix movie. <laughs> it wasn't even like a real movie. Wait, stop. Stop, stop, stop. That's a, did you see it? I did. It's good. And then the second half gets super yes, fucking weird. Yes. But listen, <laughs> I hate this movie. I hate it with a raging passion. But part of what I hate about it is what what it puts her and us through for I mean I all I hate it for I hate it morally and politically and the way it like who it prioritizes in terms of suffering. Yeah. But that opening 20 minutes is it's great. just I, I have never been it's so complicated but like what it does to her and what she has to do I don't know how much she actually suffered but but the like Naomi, Naomi Watts can't be killed. And is 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 unconquerable even mm-hmm. under the most horrific natural disaster circumstances. Holy shit! The tsunami scene is it's just, absolutely horrifyingly petrifying. Where it goes later, yeah. I, I think it's reprehensible. This movie, it's but, definitely the first half hour of that movie sucks you in about as much of an act as an action movie is going to do. It. I can't believe she got nominated. I had forgotten. That's but any actor watching that is just like there before the grace of God because I <laughs> I don't even know who else really should have been nominated. It was just a typically horrible year for it was a actresses. bad year for women. Can I can I suggest a couple? Yeah, sure. sure. Well, I'll save my hottest hottest take. Um, 
I think Marion Cotillard on, in Rust and Bone oh, is like a, yes, is a gr- like a really, yes. really like yes, the, maybe yes, the yes. best thing she's ever done. Mm-hmm. Mm. I not, agree. Not yep. recognized. So good. And and this is sort of beside the point. But when you're a movie star, it counts. She's so sexy in that movie. Mm. Um, she's got she's missing a leg, and. <laughs> And is in utter control of every single scene. And it's true. She's working with Matthias Schoenartz, who is like a bull who who needs somebody to ride him. But it is. She's so good in that movie. It is such a great movie star performance. My take is, I think Jennifer Lawrence should have been nominated for The Hunger Games and not for Silver Linings. Oh, damn. Oh, shh. Because that's... That's the, the burn on my arm is. <laughs> oh. the, that's the Jennifer Lawrence that I think is great. That's mm. the Jennifer Lawrence that I'm interested in, who is steely and tough. That's I also the did one, love her in Hunger Games. That, and um, that's a, Winter's Bone, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, I don't know though. Steely. I'm ready for that Jennifer Lawrence again. It's she returns to it's it Red in Sparrow. Red Sparrow. Great Red Sparrow, Sign me which up. is a complicated movie, but she is going for it in the same in that same vein. Great. Uh, um, but wait, uh, can we talk about before we move on? Well, Chess- who should have won? You didn't tell me. Oh, who should have who should have won? Oh man, I can't. Of I those? can't say Chastain. It's I mean, Chastain in a walk for me. Like it's not even close. Oh, Emmanuel Riva. I thought I really that night. I, I thought said, she was going to win. I thought she was. I would have said too. the Amor lady, Emmanuel Riva. Yeah, Emmanuel Riva of those five. That movie people. really, really was affecting. It's very crushing. Um, That's that would have been a good way to honor that movie too. Yeah. I would have voted for her. supporting actor. Christopher Waltz won for Django. I don't know how. Car crash. <laughs> Alan Arkin Argo, which is like bizarre that he even got nominated. It's uh, De Niro for Silver Linings Playbook, which was just a career achievement. He's good in that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, He's good on. in this that. This was a good category this year. Tommy Lee Jones Lincoln. And then the one that I just can't believe didn't win, uh, Hoffman in The Master. But then also Leo didn't get nominated and Samuel L. Jackson Samuel didn't get L. nominated. Samuel L. Jackson is just... How you can watch that movie, and it clearly demonstrates to me that those people didn't know what that movie was about, for one thing. I think they were and probably scared And they were uncomfortable. Yeah, they were uncomfortable. uncomfortable. They picked they the guy it. who was more, the most morally correct, quote unquote. And It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous to me. I feel like Christoph Waltz should break that Oscar in half, mail half to <laughs> Sam Jackson, and mail the other half to Leonardo DiCaprio because yeah. he that, that movie clearly made voters uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. As, as uncomfortable as it made people who watched it. I think he's the fourth person I would have honored in that movie after the top three. Even in for a nomination. I, I would have Karen honored Washington, Karen Washington is exactly. better than I mean, yeah, he yeah. is. I would have given I mean, Carrie Washington. It, oh, it's, shit. Just, it's just... Who, un- did, who did Carrie Washington get boned over? So Anne Hathaway went well, for Les Mis. That Amy category Adams is too master. strong to include Carrie Washington. Washington doesn't have a lot of screen time. She doesn't, yeah. But, but she's when great. she's there, she's great. Anne Hathaway, Les Mis won. Amy Adams, The Master. Sally Field, Lincoln. Helen Hunt, The Sessions. Yeah. Jackie Weaver, Silver Linings. That's playbook. the other person who Pretty got sure we could have made room for Carrie Washington there. I who? We, yeah. I think we could have made room for Carrie Washington. Well, there. I mean, I'm These open to that, but I think this John is... John Hawks is the other person mm, who who seemed like a lot to win the Oscar. That's wild that he wasn't Remember nominated. That? Yeah, John Hawks plays the guy in the sessions who lives in the box. He's the guy that she's sex surrogating, sex surrogating. Uh, Helen Hunt is in that movie, and he—it's a classic Oscar winner performance. There's it's there's a there's a person with a disability who learns to a pre, who learns to 
access an aspect of himself that he hasn't previously accessed because of the disability. I didn't like that movie. I'm not I didn't like about it either. either. It's a great performance. I, but it wasn't I'm an just, enjoyable movie. It just seemed like, I mean, that's how strong those other five guys are that John Hawks got kept out of so it. So we all thank Hoffman for supporting. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but but can we just go back to Samuel L. Jackson for one second? Because I think Sam Jackson supporting. I feel like we take this guy for granted. Now, he says things that he shouldn't say. Does a lot of commercials. He he does a lot of Capo That's One commercials. I don't, I don't Pigeon Pigeonholed with the as an action movie guy. Well, he works too much to really be pigeon. He's pigeonholed to Samuel L. Jackson. And I think that was mm-hmm. the thing that worked against him. I also think he just played a character that freaked people out. The movie basically blames black people's relationship to white people on another black person. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It I, it it lays the slavery problem at the foot of what the of what we would classically call an Uncle Tom. I think you're right that the Academy was really uncomfortable with trying to reckon with Stephen and Calvin Candy and their relationship and what that meant. Yeah. And to 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 identify it would have been a real issue. Um so I think you're right. It's a bummer, though. The two of them are so good. They're... <laughs> and they make that movie in a way that Christoph Waltz doesn't. Christoph Waltz is great. He's always great. He does the same thing. He's doing the same performance in every movie. Yeah. He is, like, exuberant I mean, and not to be trusted until he is. I think we've figured him out. Yeah. Supporting like, actress? But, yeah. Uh, of the, uh, Amy Adams. Amy Adams and so Sally Field. So we're just giving the master all the way around. <laughs> It's the best acting you're going to see in a movie. Just almost period. I mean, even Laura Dern in her one scene on the porch is really good. I'll tell you one thing. And Rami Malek. Rami Malek is really good. I'll tell you one thing. Anne Hathaway not winning would have been the best thing that could have happened in her career. I, you know, I, I, I. As crazy as that I sounds. I disagree. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ride for Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Even I don't care I, for I Les think Mis. She's, I think she's good. In, this she is talked not about to you at a Jacoby party one night, one time for that three minutes. That may have minutes. happened. Um, I think, one, I'm going to ride for her acceptance speech, which was widely was really, derided at the time, and I thought was nice. I thought it was nice, too. And people she, are just assholes. She's aspirational. That? that is yeah. her whole thing. Is mm-hmm. She wants it. She's I'm a pro little Anne thirsty. Hathaway. And yeah. that's okay. It's okay to want to be great. She tries really hard, and when, she, when it hits... I think she's excellent, and she's made good movies since then. Yeah, Mark Lasanti, the day after, wrote a really great thing for Grantland about wanting it and how much she wanted it, and it's re- he yeah, was oh, really sorry. Right. You're ambitious. I, I, when did ambition become a bad quality? Well, I think for a lot of people, I think people are turned off by it. It's like, oh, the Saint Hathaway, she really wants it. It's like, so what? Who there's cares? A, there's the there's highest a, honor. There's a theater geek aspect to her that is yeah. so so apparent, and you never really see in in a world full of theater geeks, you never see somebody just never give that aspect of themselves up mm-hmm. and i think quickly go through original screen prey django one uh other nominees were more flight moonrise kingdom zero dark 30 uh, the master not nominated is this tarantino's only win he went for pulp fiction he did win for pulp. oh yeah, yeah. with roger avery yeah. right okay yeah i mean bizarre it's just bizarre that that's what they chose but to honor. But that's what they do. Yeah. That's just, what they it's do. It's just completely logical. Doesn't it's make completely sense. logical. Uh, Who do you think should win? Um, it's between. I think Moonrise Kingdom is the best screenplay of those five, oh, and I'm a big. Uh, and I think a more. While it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on in that writing, there's a couple sequences that, like on the page, just writing about the pigeon in in the hallway, and. There's just so many great passages that can only come from writing 
um, in that movie. I think it's the best. I think it's the best written of those five movies. Um, but Moonrise Kingdom has. I don't the have. Most a, I don't writing. have an own personal answer for this because I never understand what the parameters are for original screenplay, and it just seems to change year to year. And I don't even. know Yeah, what they I look don't for. understand why Flight is nominated here. It, that's what I mean. Like, why is Flight on there, but it's, the Master isn't? Yeah, I absolutely. I find that screenplay embarrassing. Actually. The- third act is weird yeah and well that sequence in yeah, the stairwell wesley and i ride for a flight i, I like, think it's, I think I it's like pretty good movie. yeah it's, but it's a like, good is movie. the screenplay the thing you walk away from no thinking that's what's that, great no, about that, it it's like really me, well a, made it's that's amazing a denzel denzel. Movie, yeah. start to finish and it's I just like i like denzel. Zemeckis and all the scenes when he's in the plane are are fantastic yeah. but when it turns into like um uh aa karaoke it's it's not it doesn't it doesn't work adapted argo one it beat Beast's Southern Wild, Life of Pi, Lincoln, and uh, Silver Linings Playbook. I'm fine with that. I, that was probably a hard movie to uh, to kind of figure Formally, out how, yes. to, how to take different pieces from and turn it into a script. This is a pretty mighty Tony Kushner. Yeah, play. I just don't understand what what went on there. Yeah, I just I can't believe you would have gone Lincoln. This is like the one, of, is, one of the five greatest living playwrights writing at his peak. at his peak. Like that screenplay. And the one of the most pleasurable things about the the shots people fired at that script was his defense of it, which was totally cogent to me. The liberties he was proud to have taken with the Connecticut senators, with the Connecticut congressmen, and their vote against uh, for the Thirteenth Amendment. Well, here's what I understand. And, then why didn't it just win Best Picture too? I don't think people loved the movie, but I think to not acknowledge that it is. Just like a thunderously written It's a movie. really well-written screenplay. I'm sorry. Okay. I still don't understand the parameters for that category. Well, I mean, she, you know. For adapted screenplay? Well, adapted screenplay to me is like, I, I don't know. What is the first part of, what am I judging it on? There's a, am I judging it by how difficult it was to adapt? Or am I judging it just by the script is good? Oh, and it was adapted. Like it, it could be. It, it one seems or like the it's other, either depending one, on the nah, movie. One or the other, or both. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking in terms. I think that also they were just they wanted to honor Argo as an achievement. I think that was when I knew it was going to really win Best so Picture. Argo, th- this one is interesting because it's based on two different things. And right. You don't see that very often. You don't see him pulling uh, or a writer pulling from two different sources. I think it was a really hard movie to figure I- out. I agree. In but- another year, it would probably go on a walk. I just, I, it, Tony Kushner wrote an amazing movie. That's <laughs> Cam Collins is here. So we're redoing the 2013 Oscars. Right. You joined us late. And our big takeaway is that The Master was the most underrated movie of this year. What is your take? Totally. I was agreeing with everything you guys were saying as yeah. I was listening. Currently writing about the same thing. Um, yeah, all the acting awards. I just I don't think that Philip Seymour Hoffman is a supporting actor. No, that's the other thing about that <laughs> oh. category. He's oh, you another think there was supporting he, actor. We, I totally crime. forgot. It's been Cold so long since actor. I've seen it. Like he, how he's in the supporting category doesn't by make the way, sense. Makes no sense. Good point. I think it's that's just really not, true. He's sense. not in the first twenty-five minutes of the movie, and that's probably people are why. dumb. He's, right, yeah. he's Come not, on, he's not the one humping the sand. But like, right. Yeah. Well, right. also that could have been a campaign thing to get him I, out of the way or whatever. But like, yeah, I mean. Jamie Jamie Fox is coming in sixth for me. Philip Seymour Hoffman is going back up to to the best actor <laughs> category. Sorry, Jamie Fox, but oh, so you're you're flipping now? No, he's right. I forgot that. I mean, my memory. I, I didn't. I don't remember being as outraged for as long as I have been about other supporting actor issues. But this is definitely one of those things where the category parameters got fudged in order to get 
him out of one category and into another, and it didn't even work out because they I wanted to give it, yeah. him a fucking Oscar. It didn't work at the Oscars. Christoph it didn't Waltz. work at any show or any right. award, right? It just didn't. Do you think out. five years later, Django underrated, overrated, properly rated? What is what has been the uh, the legacy? What is the consensus that it's good, that it's fine? We actually thought we thought it was I a little underrated. After I the think fact. it's great. I think my mind is not. Changed. I can't divorce it from liking and glorious bastards a little more. But I think mm. I think Django's yeah I think Django's really interesting and I think that is historically how it will be remembered. It's like Inglorious Bastards. As time goes on, for a lot of people that I have talked to, think of that as his second achievement behind Pulp Fiction. Oh, and really? Huh? Have they seen Death Proof? I loved. Death have Proof. they seen Jackie Brown? Death Proof is very very hard Don't get to reconcile Jackie Brown <laughs> in this context, though. Because of everything that happened with the Uma Thurman story and all that. I mean, that movie looks like it was made as a reflection of his experience on Kill Bill. And that is a tough way to absorb that movie. Jackie yeah. Brown, I'm with you. Jackie Brown yeah. kicks ass. That, that movie's phenomenal. Did that it's get great. any nominations for anything? Oh, it, it did. Uh, Jackie Robert Brown. Forster. Robert Forster. Robert Forster. Forster. Yeah. Um, this is a very strange Oscars. A very, this very might strange be the, Oscars. So here's my one big theory. This might have been the last Oscars before the internet writing became good enough and the voters became savvy enough to kind mm. of read things and find things and be like, oh, oh, I should do this. That guy makes some good points or that girl makes some good points, whatever. Because the Oscars started making a lot more sense after this year. Mm. The following year is is the 12 Years a Slave gravity year, which is a really interesting Oscars that I don't think th- this wouldn't be as fun a podcast about that Oscars. Yeah. You know, th- there were a lot of good choices that were made for lack of a better phrase. Um, that were not made here. Best director, if we had to do it over again five years later, Cam, PTA? Yeah. Or would you go Tarantino, Affleck, Bigelow? Spielberg? Okay, not Affleck. <laughs> not, not, not for this. Uh, that was funny. There's such an outcry with Affleck. <laughs> and meanwhile, he probably wasn't one of the best five directors. No. Well, that was the weird thing about the outcry. It was like, well, you guys think, but I mean, think about, I mean, they were trying to make him the next Warren Beatty. I right. even bought that a little bit. That right. Like he there, this is it. Like he made this movie. That's not that great, but it's not that great. It's not can that have, great in the way that a Warren Beatty movie generally is not. Can that I have great. your Warren Beatty stock for Affleck? You, you want to take it? Yeah. No, I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> Sean, do you have any? Warren Beatty <laughs> never would have played Batman. Wow. <laughs> Warren Beatty I mean, played true. Dick Tracy. Exactly. That yeah. was a flex only Warren Beatty could pull yeah, off. No one true. had Dick Tracy on the brain. He's, Batman was too high a grasp this is what and you guys, too low a You guys a, don't understand. Angle. Affleck was just trying to impress his kids. Warren Beatty didn't have kids. He wasn't thinking that way. He had no kids, right? Uh, Not at, not at that, that point. No. no. Affleck's just trying to... You he get was to still a dating point, Madonna. trying to impress your kids. God, I love Warren Beatty. Yeah. I do too. He's made some bad movies. I don't of course. Care. Who has I like it? him too. He made What's Reds your favorite and Warren? Heaven Can Wait. He's good. Heaven Can Wait is my favorite Warren Beatty movie. Shampoo is your favorite Warren Beatty Warren, movie. Heaven, <laughs> Heaven Can Wait should come back as a Netflix series. Sure. He's just going in a different With a different scenario. Yeah, 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 I was going to say. Sometimes That's, it's three. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, he's going to be a, a tech millionaire this time. Oh, great. Oh, he's going to be a barista at Starbucks. You know <laughs> what? This isn't going to go well. He's going to leave this body. Parallax View is another one that could come back as a, re- as a weekly series under the current, you know, They're making three reality. days of the Condor. as Condor, a TV show. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this mm. up. 
Kudos to the master. I think you. I think I'm glad we did this though, and I really think this would be a good yeah. idea for them to do this, even though I know they never will. I think that I think it needs about five years to decide what's good. What what, yeah, what we resonated have no anxiety with anxiety about like Terrell Owens and Randy Moss getting into the Hall of Fame. They deserve to go. That was obvious. Right. Right. If we had tried to put them up the first year, people would have been like, I don't like those guys that much. They might have to. Wait. Terrell Owens, bad teammates. Yeah. I still don't feel 100 percent of the Terrell Owens thing. Okay, That's I mean he was a cancer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was a cancer. <laughs> he quit on teams. I guess it's fine. Time you, heals no, that's wins. not fine. Uh, thank you, Wesley. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Cam. All right. Thanks to Shoemaker. Thanks to Sean. Thanks to Cam. Thanks to Wesley. Don't forget to go to the Ringer NBA show. I hosted today's episode because all of our dudes were out. If you want to, uh, if you want to listen to that, just go to the Ringer NBA show. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com/slash/bs. Thanks to Gillette. Get Gillette performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order for free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Recapables launching this week with Atlanta Season 1 Recap Award Show already up. Back later in the week with more. I want to see them on a way so